Welcome to Chapter 2 of Health System CIO's interview with Health IT Influencer Carla Smith. In this segment, Smith talks about why pay equity needs to be viewed as an economic issue, the enormous benefits of having diverse representation in the C-suite, and what she believes it will take to reach that goal. The following Health System CIO podcast is brought to you by LK, a nationwide leader in healthcare connectivity. Decommission your legacy systems with LK Archive. All systems, all data, one consolidated solution. Retain 100% of your legacy data at 20% of the cost with LK Archive. For more information, visit lk.com. That's E-L-L-K-A-Y dot com. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about a topic that I know is close to both of our hearts, which is yeah. Women in Health IT Leadership, and yeah. I read a recent piece you wrote where, where you talked about the goal of becoming an industry where gender is a non-issue, and I yeah. think that that's so important, but what are some of your thoughts around that? Sure. So one of the things I'm incredibly careful about, because I never want to be misunderstood, is I mean it when I say I want a reality where gender is not, there's no disparity. My interest in helping women achieve parity is not code for being anti-male. Right. And I think that could so easily be misunderstood. Sure. Um, that people could hear a code in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that's why I mean that. I want men and women and other genders and people who choose to not identify as a gender to be able to be compensated at the level that they deserve and the market will bear. One thing, Kate, that has really resonated when, when I talk to audiences about this is when I say something along the lines of, I have yet to meet an adult who is in a living arrangement with another adult who wants that adult to bring home less money from their job right, because sure. of their gender. Yeah. I have never met yeah. that person. Right. Because for me, this is an economic issue. Yes. I think it's important to make that distinction. Yeah. When people are paid a fair wage for what the market will bear, economies are healthier because of it. Right. Yeah, that's interesting to say. And healthcare is fascinating, too, in that studies have shown that women tend to make more of the decisions regarding health. So there's all kinds of interesting components in a lot of industries, but really healthcare is its own uh, entity when it comes to this. Yeah, and that's interesting that you bring that one up because in a blog post I did about three weeks ago or so on um, how pay parity in healthcare makes good economic sense, I have heard about this um, statistic that women make the majority of health decisions and the percentage that I often read is 80%. Another challenge that women have is that the positions in the health field that has have historically been open to women, for example, nursing, medical records, housekeeping, those kinds of jobs, those positions have been of lower value to those who have been making the decisions. Now, I also think that that is because we're looking at historically a sector that 
is male dominated at the executive level. Yeah. Who have undervalued, and this I, I see changing, undervalued those roles specifically around nursing, right? Right. And, yeah. and I'm sure you agree, you have seen a big sea change towards multidisciplinary approach to effective health care. Oh, yeah, sure. Those have economic implications. When you increasingly value roles that are predominantly held by a particular gender, then you will begin to see the, the compensation levels change. Right. And Kate, one other thing that I want to say on just how important it is that we stay very much focused on the high road of paying people for the work that they're doing based upon what the market will bear is that any time there is a group that has power and a group that has less power mm-hmm. seeks more, it becomes incredibly important in the way those two groups communicate. Mm. Because the group that is in power is not going to willingly share their power if the group wanting more power comes across as a win-lose. Yeah. Right? As we get more power, that means you lose. Well, guess what? They're not going to share their power. Yeah, sure. Right? They're just not going to. Rather, we can expand the power base. And I think that that becomes the million-dollar question, how that can happen. Obviously, nothing that's going to occur overnight, but maybe small changes that need to be made over time. Yes. I'm not quite that patient. (laughs) Yeah. Right, right. Um, I want big change. I want big change in a way that respects all genders. Right, right. And when you think about what it will take to achieve more parity among leadership roles, there are a few different factors, one of which is mentorship programs. That seems to be something that that can really make a difference. Uh, It's just logical if you think about it that you know that at this particular organization, you have access to mentors. I think that that's a, a really big selling point, especially for women. Yes. Yes, I agree. So would you say that the onus is on leadership at organizations now to be putting in the types of programs, whether it's specific training on communications, things like that, training on things like uh, inclusion and really trying to, to create healthier workplaces? Do you think that, that that's I, something I that's a factor? I do. What, what I think needs to be a guiding philosophy is intention. Yeah. I have been interacting with a very large consulting organization that finds itself in a position that it needs to adjust. It finds itself in a position where the the bulk of the senior team are one gender and of mm-hmm. one racial type. Right. And they have been hearing from clients ate something new. And what they've been hearing from clients is next time you come out, your firm, no question, highly competent, highly skilled, do great work, no question about all of that. We want to see some diversity in the team that you assign to us as your clients. And they are challenged because they lack diversity. Right. 
and they lack a pipeline. It's not because there was some mindset that they were trying to achieve a particular gender and racial makeup. No. What it is, is the work of being a high-end consultant is a road warrior job. Right. And that becomes challenging when it's time to be raising a family. And for many children, having their mother around is a very high value. Right. Right. It's not that the children devalue dad. Children tend to put a very high value on their mother. Mm -hmm. So it becomes an, an intentional conversation for a company to come up with new and creative pathways to help women and then for other reasons, people of color to to get into the pipeline. Yeah. And that's a challenge that I'm sure a lot of organizations are dealing with. But as you said, that that's such a big factor, that intention. And on the other side of that, we don't want to see organizations going out there and saying, okay, this is what we're looking for. We, We just need this gender to fill this role. We don't want to see that <laughs> happening, but it's, it's kind of a, a, a tricky line to walk, I guess. It is a tricky line because it goes right back to what you and I were talking about a few minutes ago where mm-hmm. it could so easily be misunderstood that white males need not apply. Right. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, not, it's not what you're trying to accomplish. Right. right? Yeah. Um, um, but it does take that intentionality at an executive level that it becomes part of the organization's strategy, that it is embraced within the executive team as, you know, as you think about legs of a stool of corporate success, that diversity in your leadership ranks is believed to be a corporate asset and a corporate differentiator. Yeah. Not a Eh, it doesn't really matter. You know, this too will pass and, you know, people stop talking about it. We can get past this. Mm-mm, right. mm-mm. <laughs> and, and it comes back to something that's so basic, uh, or at least should be, that the more exposure you have to different viewpoints, different experiences, the better off you're going to be making decisions. Yes. I was at um, Metro Health System in Cleveland, Ohio, which is a public health system, meeting with their chief information officer, who, back to intentionality, I was remarking on the diversity of his IT team, both from, from many different angles. And he said, Carla, this is on purpose. He said, we are a public health system. How can I deliver the IT that's needed by my patients and my clinicians if I don't have people on my team that live in the neighborhoods and represent the community we're trying to serve. Right. I said, exactly. Beautifully said. Sure. It is. It is. And it's um, something that that I hope uh, will become more popular opinion. But yeah, it just makes so much sense. Yeah. And And I know it's really hard to find these people. It's really hard to find people who have got the digital skills and have a knowledge of the healthcare system. There's a company, Clover Health. They just got about $500 million in investment from a couple of of organizations. That's a lot of money. And they've just announced that they're laying off 25% of their workers. That's about 140 people. They're going to lose their jobs. 
And the thought is that these people are losing their jobs because the leaders hiring underestimated the need for their workers to understand the complexities of the U.S. healthcare system. Mm. It's really hard to find gender and racial diversity in our sector who understand healthcare. Right. It's very easy to find racial diversity in, in the male gender in technology, mm-hmm. but, but, but finding men and women who not only understand technology but understand healthcare, that's a challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It comes down to, to uh, trying to build the pipeline, but I, I'm hearing more people say that this has to start younger and younger. You know, it has to start in the schools in trying to get people of different backgrounds interested in technology. And, and I know that uh, Cletus Earl, he's talked about programs that they're doing in Buffalo in the schools. And I just think that that's so great. And I hope that that's something we start to see more of, exposing kids at younger ages to, to technology. Because as you said, this is not an easy <laughs> industry by any right. means. And it's not easy to explain. It's not like you're trying to send somebody to the moon right? You're yeah. like, oh, that's okay. Got to build rockets or we don't repair broken legs. Yeah, that's true. It's a little tougher yeah. to have a, for a young person to say, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> exactly. I mean, maybe that's where cyber kind of has an advantage because it's a little easier to, <laughs> to convey that the right. importance of cybersecurity. Yeah, yeah. There's a wonderful group out there, Kate, called Scientista. It is okay. uh, a, a group entirely run by students, college students, and it's for undergrads through postdocs. And it's, for, it's to help women stay in STEM fields through college and to oh. help women find STEM jobs because um, more women – they go into STEM fields and yeah. then through experiences that are not positive, they drop yeah. out. Right. This is to, to help each other stay in. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.